All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful everybody welcome to gojo with mike gola jr that is me with me as always super producer brandon newman my father mike gola senior and dad how old did you feel last night watching the nba draft as Jawan howard's son was now walking across the stage and having his moment well i mean listen i'm starting to see that in the nfl as well guys that were my contemporaries played with or against their kids now in the league it's it's a it's a wild wild thing and uh, yeah yeah Jet Howard uh, how cool though your de- Yuan played in the league for what twenty one years then you get to coach your son Jet and then you watch him go in the first round of the NBA draft it's a what a cool moment uh, that had to be good for Jet you know a heck of a three point shooter something Orlando needed uh, but one of the cool stories of the draft like the Thompson twins going four and five there needed to be some things like that because overall it was a pretty mundane draft and I'm not saying that in a negative way I mean I know people want some sort of drama or something like that you know this draft kind of went off a couple of swaps you know in the in the top 10 with some picks uh but nothing really major there was a it was a pretty ordinary draft again so if you bet on Webmediana to go number one you know, you spent twenty thousand dollars on that. You won a hundred dollars. Congratulations! <laughs> I'm I'm sure people lined up to lay their twenty grand down to make that little bit of extra spending cash going into the weekend. Um, and that is what we have got a great show leading into. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube and DraftKingsNetwork.com. We'll have Ben Wilson, play by play announcer for the G League Night joining us here in a little bit in the show so he can take us behind the curtain on what we are going to expect to see in Portland from Scoot Henderson as dad he gets set to join Dame Lillard there because you're right it was a pretty boring draft because 
we knew for the most part the outcome and we knew the most interesting names that were going to go off in pretty rapid succession and everything went as expected near the top of the draft. Victor Wembanyama goes number one to the Spurs. Brandon Miller goes number two overall to the Charlotte Hornets, which uh, people maintain was the theme all along, despite all the wild betting odd swings there around that number two pick. And then Scoot Henderson going number three to the Portland Trailblazers. And that one only complicated dead because now of the Dame Lillard factor here. I saw Chris Haynes uh, from Bleacher Report and TNT last night say that according to uh, sources, um, we had not seen any contact or heard of any contact between Dame and the organization involving the draft free agency or his future. Chris Haynes, usually pretty reliable source on all stuff Dame Lillard. And so you can imagine that was to sort of clear up any of the conversation that had been lingering out there around Dame and his future with the team who, you know, we had heard didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, didn't want to be a part of a youth movement. But now with this prospect of maybe Scoot Henderson, who by all accounts seems to be incredibly mature for his age, He's been a guy who the professional development for him and his family and their focus on that maybe can lead you to believe that he can come in and be a little bit more reliable as a young player than most would be, but that's still a pretty big risk for a guy in Dame Lillard who is this late in his career. Yeah, you know, two of the first three picks with only Miller actually coming from college, the other two did not. That's interesting with Scoot Henderson. Two years, he was in the, he was in the G League at 17 years old playing with other pros and spent two years in the G League and now goes to Portland and really, according to him, you know, it's over for the rest of the league, right? Scoot Henderson's quote, if we combine our games, meaning him and Dame Lillard, it will be over for the rest of the NBA. Love the enthusiasm, but whoa, big fella. You know, let's let's pull the reins a little bit. Again, really like the confidence. Uh, you're entering a different world now. And and you're right. By all accounts, listen, that, that he's going to be able to step right in. He's played against professional athletes, and and the, the sky is obviously very high for him. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> what it will do with Port if Damian Lillard stays. That's again, you brought it up, and that's going to be the big question. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see the fit. Obviously, Dame Lillard, one of the best shooters of all time. Scoot Henderson, not really known for being a shooter, more of a Russell Westbrook, explosive, going to attack the rim, high-level competitor. So uh, we'll talk uh, a lot about that when we get Ben in here in a little bit. Dad, I, I'd say the other winner for the night, we talked about what we were looking for with the outfits. Everybody knows who Grady Dick is now. If you didn't before, if you weren't a Kansas basketball fan and weren't someone who was dialed in this college basketball season, Grady Dick is officially on the radar right now because before he ends up going out here and getting picked and Grady Dick ends up going 13 overall to the Toronto Raptors, he shows up in a ruby red, I mean, dad, like Elton John probably is the only other person I could think of who could pull off a jacket like this. The shoulders are too big. It seemed almost intentionally ridiculous. What was your face like the first time you laid eyes on this Grady Dick suit, Dad? I I, I was listen the, the confidence to go ahead and wear that looked like the one of the way back when in my era that the thing had the jacket had shoulder pads in it, um, which was which was again in my era growing up of of what people wore. But you got to have a lot of confidence to do that, right? And it worked out pretty well because the hat he put on was red as well. So it was a lot of red going on uh, when he got drafted, but. Uh, that's what I mean, man. Checking out some of these outfits. I, I, I wondered yesterday with the Thompson twins dress alike. They dressed alike in the outfits, but one had a black suit and the other was a white suit, even though they were basically identical, like the identical twins. But 
yeah, Grady Dick wins on on flash and showmanship. Now, I'll leave it to those and their whatever their taste is out there, whether they liked it or not, because it was he and Scoot Henderson who had a lot of diamonds dripping off of him uh, without question uh, with his outfit as well. Yeah, man, I, now I can't get it out of my head. Someone comped Grady Dick and said he looks like BJ from the Righteous Gemstones, and I won't be able to get that out of my brain for the rest of time. So very, very worried about that one. But um, based on all of the now Grady Dick content that I've seen come to the internet, Toronto got, if nothing else, a very interesting player, and I'm very excited to watch him from here on out. The Twins is wild, so Amen and Asar Thompson go back-to-back. -back. That feels like collusion. They're the first Twins to ever go top 10 in the same draft there's no way they should go back to back like in what world do they somehow go back to back in the draft teams have different needs teams have different boards I, I have not watched a single second of overtime elite basketball so I can't tell you how similar their games in if people just thought they could get one or the other we talked about parent trapping them but dad it seems almost too good of a story for them to go back to back here my antennas are up we're going to need to talk to Tom Habistro or Minel Hassan basketball Illuminati I need you to get to the bottom of this so we're, we're to think detroit picked you know a sore because his brother went one before him no matter what their needs were that they were just going to take him i don't know if i buy into that these were guys that were considered two top 10 picks right that they were going to be going the top 10 so them going four and five doesn't really surprise me what a, what a cool thing though what what a what an incredible moment uh for these guys to be the to be the first we saw we know the other brothers that went you know, in the top five were the, you know, the Ball brothers, but obviously in different drafts. This is pretty cool to be in the same draft and go right next to one another. You wonder now, uh, Eamon has has the the smack talk for the rest of his life, right? He went one before him. I wonder in the birth cycle who came out first. I was just going to say, because usually – Usually that's the twin smack talk is, well, I'm a few minutes or a few seconds older than you and get to hold that over your head. I'm hoping for amen's sake that he's getting to like redo a life lifetime of getting that as the flack and that he was actually born second. But now considering he was drafted first, really that just means he was NBA born first and that's more important anyway. So congratulations to him. Forget one over on his twin. Uh, so congratulations to all the young draft picks. Uh, very cool to watch all these guys change their lives. You saw Victor Wembanyama and his family all really emotional. His siblings were out there on stage when Monica McNutt was interviewing him. And for a guy who knew for a long time now, whoever got the number one pick, it was going to be him. He had the confidence of that. He had the knowledge of that. To still see that moment wash over him was pretty damn cool and, and something I know he'll think about for a while. In the most non-shocking thing of the night, and we talk about style, was when they went to Marty Smith in San Antonio. Man! Wow. I mean, Marty Smith, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's all over Twitter. He was in jorts, a jersey, and a cowboy hat standing in the, the arena for the Spurs. He had walked around San Antonio all day talking about, you know, what the what the fans thought of Wembenyana going there and uh, – it's amazing. The other two number one overall selections for that club, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. I mean, everybody is saying they have a championship in their future. But Marty Smith, when they said, let's go to Marty Smith in San Antonio, and I saw that, my first reaction was, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, not, not nothing shocking there. Marty Smith has become the Dwayne The Rock Johnson of sports media in the fact that 
He is someone we want to see in a multitude of circumstances who gets paid to just go be himself. Like, The Rock's the same guy, more or less, in every movie. It's not like we're asking for some dynamic character development. And Marty Smith gets to go be Party Marty in every setting, whether he's covering college football, NASCAR, the NBA draft, whatever it is. Marty, go have great hair. And I think you saw the haircut. He had Victor Wembignana shaved into the back of his head for the broadcast with ESPN and Red letters going on that side cut by I believe the barber that does the Spurs haircuts and then jorts on there firing t-shirts out into a cannon with the crowd with the San Antonio Spurs mascot that I know Aaron Rodgers pursuing uh, the legalization of psychedelics is all in the news right now that mascot got to the psychedelics early that is one of the craziest looking raccoon monsters I've ever seen with his crazy uh, mushroom eyes so yeah Marty Smith the big winner of draft night there getting to just be himself in every possible setting. And, uh, Dad, we've got breaking news in here. Uh, Brandon Newman, our super producer, has just informed me that, in fact, Amen Thompson was born one minute before Asar. So, born first and drafted first. He has got double bragging rights for the rest of his life, man. Twin supremacy. Uh, that's a that's a tough look, but uh, amen, amen, we do believe. Congratulations to the Twins for getting the call up to the show. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits. Just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. So I want to get to the Chris Paul trade yesterday that got thrown into the mix. The NBA has been on one this week. People getting wheeled and deal left and right. A lot of this in the name of trying to prepare for the future where all of a sudden the new CBA rules about players and super teams are going to limit how you can construct a roster. And all of this leads to Chris Paul now having to go and become a part of the team that was a thorn in his side for so many years in the Western Conference. But 
we were just talking about Victor Wembignana getting interviewed at the draft by our friend Charlotte Wilder of Meadowlark Media, who asked Victor Wembignana to say, remember the Alamo in French. And it prompted our producer, Brandon Newman, who is known for impersonating some terrible accents, to claim that not only is his French accent good, but that he speaks French. So, Brandon, I, I need your best impression of French basketball star Victor Wembignana saying, remember the Alamo if you're going to back up these claims. Okay, this is unfair because I don't know what he said. He said, so I think he misspoke a little bit, uh, to be fair. I'm not sure if he knows. Exactly you're saying a guy who about. speaks French is what didn't do it right? Is that what you're saying? The man speaks French and you're saying he didn't do it right. I'm saying there is no Rosetta Stone fact checker on hand at the moment <laughs> to fact check if he was actually saying it correctly. So how do we know? You know what I mean? So you you don't think that he knows how to say remember the in French because he did say Alamo, you know, so remember the you think he we, we need a fact checker to see if he can say remember the correctly in French. Qui on les deux fromage. And that is, oh. who, who cut the cheese? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Are you honestly better than the other accent forays that we've had with you, Brandon? It's actually nice. You actually Merci. do know a little bit of French. All right. I stand corrected. I thought this is going to be Brandon doing his Irish accent all over again, which for longtime listeners of this podcast, I, I'm so sorry. And I'm glad we didn't have to go back down that road. You're welcome. Um, Dad, let's get to the Chris Paul trade before we get to Brandon doing another accent here. So Chris Paul now gets dealt to the Warriors in the wake of that Bradley Beal Phoenix Suns trade that brought Chris Paul out to Washington. And we, none of us expected Chris Paul to be long in Washington. It was either going to be this or it was going to be them waving him and him being able to sign with one of the Los Angeles teams. So Chris Paul now goes to Golden State and that Jordan Poole contract heads over to the Washington Wizards. Dad, is it fair to say that the Draymond Green punch may have been the rock that dropped into the river that made this entire ripple effect? Well, I tell you what, the old butterfly effect, uh, yeah. It, it is It is amazing what one incident can cause all the way down the road. But, uh, but here we are. Chris Paul, and you're right, and we said it the other day, he was not going to play for Washington uh, at all. It was just a matter of what was going to happen. Would he get bought out or would he get traded? So he gets traded to Golden State, which is a curious thing as well, save for the contract side of it. Because after this year, between him and Clay Thompson, you get some big money that can be wiped off the books. Because as you mentioned, with this new CBA coming, man, teams are going to get slammed that are spending a lot of money. But it's also going to be an interesting look here because Chris Paul being that kind of pick and roll guy, and we see that offense. That offense is about movement. I mean, you put a, you know, you count the steps of, of uh, you know, Steph Curry and some of those guys running around, you know, on screens, you know, that are set of what their step count is after game is amazing, which is different from the pick and roll game. So it'll be interesting how Chris Paul kind of fits into this equation for the year before, you know, we take care of the money and the contracts after this following year. Yeah, and I think that's that's the part I'm going to be so fascinated to look back on this 
this offseason in basketball, because we know so many of these moves are being made with cap applications in mind, in a weird way, it feels same but different to the summer where they decided not to smooth the cap in the NBA and the Warriors could all of a sudden afford to go out and bring Kevin Durant over and you certainly change the course of modern NBA history in that way by that team being allowed to happen. And now Golden State having to make some concessions here, it, it, it it does, I think, make this interesting as we look at team building now with that in mind. But you're right, the fit's weird. I mean, Chris Paul's likely going to be a backup. We did see some in this postseason. Steph Curry devolve into some pick and roll in that offense when they really needed someone to score, and he was the only guy that they had out there. But you're right, in general, it's a clunky fit. Chris Paul's not a guy that you're going to be able to count on to play a lot in the regular season either, so you're going to have to figure out who shoulders the bulk of that load while you do all of this. And Dad, I guess the other part of this is what it signals about Golden State's recent history of draft picks. Like, you've got Mike Dunleavy Jr. now in charge of the operation. This is really his first big move. But you look at the failure here, the Jordan Poole contract, and how quickly that became an albatross around their neck after last season, specifically last postseason, where he became borderline unplayable in critical moments down the stretch. Like that, and it goes all the way back to the Draymond Green punch, which wasn't Jordan Poole's fault, but clearly we heard from them after the season. Undermine Draymond's ability to go and lead in the ways he was used to in that locker room. Undermine the relationship between him and Jordan Poole. Seemed to just in general rock the boat in a way that we hadn't seen in Golden State under Steve Kerr's tenure yet. So it did have an effect, but he's just the latest. James Wiseman and that situation going belly up. There had not been a lot of young talent acquisition that's worked out for Golden State as they try and transition from whatever the core of Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond is going to become. Well, that's the thing. We've relied on this core for years, right? Now, between what happens with Draymond not exercising his player option, do they sign him to a longer-term deal? Does he go somewhere else? What happens with, you know, with Clay? we talked about uh, after this year? So they better start hitting it a little better in free agency or the draft uh, to, because this, this core isn't going to be around forever. Real quick, Mike, the thing that, one of the things that caught my eye, and again, one of the reasons why there will never be fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL outside of you know, uh, Deshaun Watson or short-term deals. Just see Lonzo Ball had another knee surgery. He will, and probably is not going to play this year for Chicago. He did not play last year. He probably won't play this year. In those two years of him not being on the court, if he truly is not on the court, he will make $40 million. Again, and we know in the NFL, the injuries are a lot more injuries Owners do not want to be paying guys for sitting around. You already have to do it some when they get hurt, but you don't want to be on the hook for all that money, no matter what, uh, if they get hurt with guaranteed contracts. And players, that is always why you get as much as you can as soon as you can, because you are in the business of your body and nothing, I repeat, nothing is guaranteed for you. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. So, Dad, outside of the Chris Paul trade, meaning that everybody who plays Golden State might need to wear cups next year because that lineup is more dangerous to testicles than anything we've seen in quite some time with Draymond and Chris Paul teaming up together. If Golden State were to somehow overcome the clunky fit on all of this, the clear idea that this is about money and salary, and actually get back to the mountaintop, if Chris Paul were to finally able to get a championship after being attached onto, he didn't choose this, but got latched onto the side of the team that was the bane of his existence and the cap on his success in the Western Conference for years, what do you think that actually does for Chris Paul's legacy? Would that actually help his cause if his championship finally came in this setting? Well, yeah, I think anytime you get a championship, but would you find the Kevin Durant saga, you know, or comment that he had to go there and play with all those other players to get that championship there? You know, would Chris Paul go through that? Now, Chris Paul is not going to be the best player on that team or the second best player on that team. uh, So it's different there. But I think anytime you put a championship on your resume, it helps. But again, it all depends on how much he's involved. As I said, I've known players who have won Super Bowls but have not played a lot and were not a huge part of it, and they they don't feel as fulfilled. It's nice to look at a Super Bowl ring, but when you weren't that big a part of it, there's something to it. Now, you would expect him to be a decent part of it. Again, with coming off the bench, what he can do in the playoffs, if he can stay healthy, there's certainly some questions there. Uh, But if he can be a big part of that, certainly it's it's got to help his legacy. I, I would say that is is you're right. That's the number one factor is what it looks like. And for Chris Paul, it would be, can you avoid injury in a critical moment in the playoffs for once? If he just stays healthy through that run, he's going to be enough of a part of it, I think, especially if he was a bench player trying to spell Curry, giving them a different op- uh, option there. But also, you brought up the Kevin Durant portion. I do think it would be worth noting, Kevin Durant chose that as a free agent. Chris Paul was sent here via trade. And while we can say maybe there was some influence he could have had, I doubt it's all that much given the circumstances around this so he didn't have a choice in this he went there it would be weird uh, circumstances considering this was the team that ruined his life for so long when it came to this pursuit so we can talk more about Chris Paul but let's talk about some of the new faces coming into the league Ben Wilson is joining us right now just play-by-play over at the G League Ignite and as we had Scoot Henderson go third overall last night Ben we appreciate the time today I'm curious for you the first time that you got to see Scoot Henderson in person, the first time that you got to call a game of his, what you saw in that player back then. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. And yeah, it was kind of a surreal feeling last night. You, you cover these guys from October and watch their whole journeys, and, and all of a sudden now here they go. And it's sort, sort of like the you know, the birds flapping their wings, and, and they're off. First time I watched Scoot was in one of those two exhibition games when Victor Webinyama's French team came to Vegas. And you watch Scoot in person and you see him for the first time and you're like, okay, this guy is 18. His body looks like prime Eric Bledsoe. Like the guy is an absolute truck. Like he is ready to go. Yet he's basically the equivalent of a, a recently graduated high school senior. And then you watch him and you go, all right, he's 6'2". He's not exactly, he's not like this, this giant presence or anything. And then he, he literally at one point points to Victor Omanyama 
tells him, hey, man, come out. Come come guard me. Victor does, which I thought, you know, which was cool. They, they weren't trying to, like, pad stats. They genuinely, genuinely wanted to play in that showcase. And then Scoot hits him with this little, like, hesitation, stop, start, blow by thing, and then stops and hits a 15-footer over him. And you're going, okay, <laughs> okay, this guy's 18. I mean, he's already got the tools to be a legitimate NBA player. So I, I asked a couple of the, you know, the GMs or through, through the G League that I, you know, interacted with throughout the season. Okay, you know, there have been some really good G League players like you know, Jalen Green coming out, being a top three pick. And I remember asking a couple of them, okay, how would you compare Scoot now to where, say, like a Jalen Green was? And they go, Jalen Green, you know, he was a really nice player. And I'm thinking, okay, nice player, top three. Scoot is on a completely different planet, completely different universe. So that gives you somewhat of a perspective just of how the decision makers thought about him through the, through the whole process. I mean, I know he ends up slipping to three, mostly because of the perceived fit in Charlotte. But that was, you know, that's the first impression you get. He just wows you with the athleticism. And that's why I think a lot of people who haven't seen him play go, all right, he's 6'2". It's, it's the NBA. How dynamic can he really be? And, and you see his athleticism in person and just how elite he is at creating his own shot and distributing. And, and that's the thing that jumps out. So right now, you know, players have to be out of high school for that one year. We'll see if that changes when we go back to high school guys getting drafted. But right now, that's where we are. So we had an international player one, a college player two, and a G League player three. Now, Scoot played two years in the G League. with was 17 when he first started playing there. How much how, – A, how much of a difference did you, was there from year one to year two with him? And do you think that's going to become more of a route for these players from high school instead of going to college? Yeah, as, as far back as his development from year one to year two, it, it was pretty, if you, you know, the numbers, because he was injured this season a couple different times, had a concussion and a badly sprained ankle, the numbers didn't jump out at the page. And that's what a lot of people were you know, were kind of nagging him on was that he shot, you know, 27% on, you know, on, on threes and 31% on like mid-range catch and shoot shots. But the reality is his game improved markedly from year one to year two. And I, I don't, so the thing is, I don't know, because of the rise of NIL, I just don't know now that like the model that the G League has, basically what they're doing is they're, they're paying these guys. A scoop made five hundred thousand a year for that you know, that two hundred that two year contract, and I would argue that the competition they're playing in, in night in night out is much better than you're getting at the D one level. Even if you're at a blue blood like a Kentucky or a, or a Kansas, like for comparison, so Johnny Juzang was like a run of the mill G League starter, right? That, that that's that's the equivalent type of guy you're seeing. So it's like you're playing a top line you know UCLA every single game. There's there's and it's also a longer season. It's a 50-game season as opposed to the 30 and change you see uh, in NCAA. It's just the exposure is less. The TV ratings aren't as big. You know, you aren't you aren't packing the house every night. You know, you get a couple thousand fans. And so I think that'll be the big challenge that they have to deal with is now that NIL is such a big deal and you see the top guys making a mil plus a year and you're not on CBS for March Madness. You know, I, I think that's the biggest challenge they face. Having said all that, I mean, they already signed the number one guy, uh, Matos Tubelis out of Lithuania. He's the projected number one pick for 2024. They'll have the guy following in, in uh, Scoot's footsteps, a guy named London Johnson, who's a projected lottery pick next year, who's going to be entering his second season as point guard. So they've been able to recruit really, really well. Um, that's the big question I'll, I'd have, though, guys, just going forward for the whole, you know, the longevity of that process. Is there any other part of the Ignite program outside of just financially that's been the sell for these guys coming over here as far as professional development? You know, I think the the big thing has been the the competition and understanding that look, you might not be playing in in front of you know, twenty thousand people in a big arena, but you're going to have the most important decision makers. There's much better access to that, and the and the NBA because the league is the team is owned by the NBA. 
So there's that direct incentive, right, where you, you know that the scouts will be there. They have the G League Winner Showcase now, which has become a bigger deal. And, and so I, you, know, you saw a lot of the, the guys' uh, draft stock rise, even, even some guys that had struggled this year. Like Mojave King was a, an example where he, had a, he, he struggled. He had injuries. He was up and down this year for the Ignite. He ends up getting picked by the Lakers second round, even though like, had, had he had that type of season for you know, your, your run-of-the-mill college team, there's no way he gets, he gets drafted last night. But scouts saw enough with him, with his background, and, and playing against the type of competition he had that it was it was enough of a of a selling point for him so i think that's the big thing and you know they also do a lot of i think what's interesting too it's not you know they they have a like the the equivalent for like classes and stuff and they, but they do a lot of like life you know lifestyle stuff a lot of like personal finance classes and i think things that are actually really really useful for the future professional athlete i mean you guys can speak to this like how many classes you take or just when you're about you're thinking about what's next are just completely pointless when you're in college so i think they've also tried to do that as well and and there's a community service aspect to it. There's a lot of different things besides just the basketball and the competition. A hundred percent correct on that of taking classes or going through programs that actually mean something that you'd actually use in real life, as opposed to some of the electives you're forced yeah. uh, to take in college. So Scoot Henderson basically said, me and Damian Lillard together, that's a wrap for the rest of the NBA. So you love his confidence. Uh, may want to pull the reins back a little bit, but he's very confident on that. How do you see the fit of those two and what it can do for Portland? Yeah, and, and that quote, that I mean, that's scooted in a nutshell. I mean, he he he's just a, a really quirky individual guy. It's, he's such a such a fun guy to be around. Very, he, he says quotes like that, but he's like a very down to earth, humble guy. He's, he loves to read. Like he's just a bookworm. And but his favorite book is Purple Cow, which is basically about standing out and being yourself. So. You're going to see a lot of quotes like that. He's not afraid to be him when he gets in these situations. Like the reality is, Portland is in a very bizarre spot here because they've started to build with a lot. They've added a lot of really good young pieces over the, the past couple seasons, and there's this whole this, this whole elephant in the room deal with Damian Lillard and how do they want to proceed going forward. I always felt that the whole thought that Scoot couldn't play in Charlotte was a little bit. It was it was a little bit uh, you know overblown that he couldn't coexist with a guy like Lamelo Ball because. While Scoot has been a dominant ball handler in his time in the G League, he's still a, just an elite distributor and has a great ability to move off the ball and create open spaces with his athleticism. So I, I don't see that. I didn't see that being an issue in the first place. Had he gone to Charlotte, I don't see that being an issue now that he's with Damian Lillard in Portland. But yes, there, there are going to be growing pains with that. He's really going to have to work hard on his shot. And yeah, the biggest thing for him right now is he goes 150 miles an hour literally every single possession. And so that opened himself up. I mean, he had the, a concussion about 10 games into the season. He had a really bad sprained ankle. And the NBA basically shut him down with six games to go because he literally tried to leap over a seven-foot defender. And they thought he basically broke, like, both of his arms simultaneously. Like, he had this crazy fall <laughs> to the ground. And they're like, all right, man, you're done. We, we've seen enough. You can take the rest of the year off. So that's the biggest thing for him is just sort of, like, hey, Scoot, you're in the NBA now. It's 82-game season. Pick your spots. We love the we love how hard you're going at it, but I think that'll be the biggest learning curve for him, as weird as that is to say going forward. I mean, considering we've got John Morant off the court for the first 25 games, we do need a new heir apparent for someone to go full send every time they see the basket in the lane. So it seems like he'll be primed and ready to go for that. And listen, maybe part of that intensity is 
the way that I, I feel like his family is really such an important part of the Scoot Henderson conversation. His father, Chris, is a certified basketball trainer. We saw him on draft night, but we hear about the involvement of all his siblings. They're a basketball family. How much was the Henderson family around during what you saw of his tenure there? And what kind of influence did you see from them on a day to day? Yeah, you know, what impressed me about the family was that they, you know, they weren't you know, making sure they were in the foreground and everybody could see them. They, they kind of elected to sort of sit, sit back in the shadows. They, they really trusted the, you know, the G League staff to do their thing. And especially, you know, in this era where you, you see parents front and center and want to make themselves part of the story. I was really impressed by that because when you're, you think about the parents, what they did, they moved the whole family uh, to just outside Atlanta. They, they kind of planned for this from the very start. You know, six siblings and they're all tremendous athletes and you know, his younger sister Mucci is going to be the top women's prospect in the, in, in the college game here coming up so the fact that they were kind of you know in, in the shadows they were trusting the whole process was really impressive to me they, they never really made it about Scoot and and, and they kind of made it all, all about the team game even though the, the team itself struggled didn't win a ton of games it was all these you know a combination of seven eight draft eligible prospects who were just trying to figure out life as a as a pro before they actually were drafted and became pros that's a really tough thing to go through. And so a lot of these kids came in and it was the first time they lost games and didn't have success right away. I think they went 18 and 32 last year in the 50 game season. And I think that was really, really beneficial for them. And, 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 and it was clear to me that the parents looked at that and thought, this is all part of the process. This, you got to go through the struggles. You got to go through being in concussion protocol for three weeks, which Scoot was, where you're not, you know, you're not allowed to do anything. And that was unbelievably frustrating for him. And you know, you're, you're going to go through a sprained ankle where you're all of a sudden this quick twitch point guard and now you can't really move the way you want to. So I think they understood what the process was like. And, and that was really impressive for my end because it was that's a big decision for these parents to sit there. I mean, Scoot's first pro offer was from China when he was 15. So and you're weighing the pros and cons of all these decisions. You, you got your guys, the most sought after basketball player from the time he's a freshman in high school. And so it, it's, you know, it's a lot of weight on their shoulders. And I thought they handled it really well throughout the whole process. It's really impressive. Like you said, all of the very professional elements that have seeped into the game sooner and sooner that these guys all have to juggle, and that's players and family alike. Uh, really impressive. Ben, we can't thank you enough for a little insight on the guy that we're getting ready to watch more and more of in Portland coming up into the future. Uh, thanks so much, man. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Big fan of the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Again, Ben Wilson, play-by-play -play broadcaster over at the G League Ignite. Dad, what's your exasperation here? So let 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 me let's let's discuss this for a minute. On it's different in football. Football, you got to be out of high school for three years. Okay, so you're going to go to college, and you are going to get a college experience. So let's weigh the two. Brandon Miller goes to Alabama as the number two pick in the draft. Scoot Henderson goes to the G League for two years. He's a number three pick in the draft. So we'll see how they develop. Scoot Henderson gets $500,000 a year. Say Brandon Miller for his one year made a million dollars. So they basically made the same amount, right? Two years at $500,000, one year at a million dollars. But even, even if there's a difference, if you're making more for that one year in college, what's the best route? Because from what Ben was saying and from what I've heard as well, from a basketball standpoint, you will be better prepared for the NBA playing in the G League because you're playing against better competition for that year or two that you're there. And I know the other side of people say, well, there's the college experience. Let me just say, if you are a one-and-done player in basketball, you are not getting a college experience. You are not getting 
the college experience we are all talking about. You have the fall semester of where you need to make sure your grades are good enough to play, and then that's it. Once your season is over, you're basically done. You're done with school, and you're getting ready for the draft if you're a one-and-done guy. So there is no real college experience. You and, and let's just say off the field, preparing for life, they definitely do more in the G League to prepare you for the real world. Anybody that says uh, college prepares you for the real world, that's laughable. It does not. Um, <laughs> you know, the G League has those classes, finance classes, and things you can actually lose that Mike you use that Mike you and I have talked about in the past on and off air that colleges need to do more of. If, if give give these players, give these student athletes you know, more that they can learn, that they can use in the real world that, that is not out there right now. So so what's better? I know everybody's situation is different, but what, what's a better route to go in the long run? Well, I, and I don't think college choice is about the college experience. I think that's something that the people who are still like hanging on to this idea of amateurism might throw out because they're just naive. But I think it would be about the exposure that comes with it if you're a player that could get to, because March Madness, while college basketball, we can debate if people still care that much about the regular season product. March Madness is one of the premier sports events that we have in North American sports, especially in collegiate athletics. For a month, everybody pulls down, gets to the same place, and is watching all these guys potentially increase their star power. If you're a player like Zion, it's the perfect storm then too, where you've got a known brand that's already big time in Duke that now you get to sort of supernova with together, and it creates a phenomenon that we wouldn't see in many other places. You would not have gotten the Zion Williamson phenomenon in the G League Ignite in the same way with the Duke brand because of the exposure and because of the already ready-made product that is college basketball. But we we wouldn't have got that, but Zion still would have gone number one. I guess that's my point. Okay, so we didn't we were wouldn't be able to see Zion play, you know, what Brandon Miller did with Alabama or any other one and dones. You're right. We wouldn't get to see it, but I'm not talking about us. They don't owe us anything. Zion doesn't owe us. Brandon Miller doesn't owe us. I'm talking about them. Is Scoot Henderson now more prepared for the NBA because he played in the G League, even though people will say, well, Brandon Miller went number two, so they're going in somewhat equal. So what happens from here? Is Scoot Henderson further along to play better earlier on to maybe get a better contract in the second contract? I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, because I get your point about the show of college, but again, a lot of that is for us, you know? And if we don't get to see it, oh, well, we're going to see the, the tournament no matter what. Whether Zion played in it, whether oh, Brandon Miller I, no, played I, in it, we're, we're going to get to see it. No, you are. I guess part of that might be marketability, which again, if these guys go and splash on the next level, they'll walk in and they'll get plenty. But I do think some of that exposure does make you more brand friendly if you're these guys. But the bottom line probably comes down to coaching. They've only been doing the G League Ignite program since 2020, so we don't have yeah, the biggest right. sample size. I think before last night, they'd had six players drafted in the NBA drafts from the G League Ignite program. So 
that's going to be something that we remain to be seen because it would be about what kind of coaching that you get there versus college where sometimes we feel like you get overcoached, you're put into these systems where the coach has a little bit too much control and it's not as free-flowing as it could be. So I think at the end of the day, the unfun answer is it's probably a case-by-case basis if you're someone that already is going to be a next-level prospect and you just want to sharpen those skills. The G League Ignite is probably a great route for you if you're someone that could use a little bit more time and the benefit of the exposure that comes with something like the tournament to maybe boost your stock past where your skills might be, then college could be a good route for you to go. But with all the money, and that's I think really what this is going to come down to for a lot of guys is we've seen plenty of dudes go from college to the NFL, NBA and have success. It's really going to be about how much money you can put in your pocket in the process and does that change the G League Ignite appeal. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, Dad, you know, putting a bow on that G League Ignite versus college discussion, you and I had took a breath off air for a second. And with the one-and-done rule still something that we could potentially see go away and money coming into college basketball, I do wonder if the G League Ignite is going to continue to have the same sort of appeal outside of that access to the NBA yep. that Ben talked about when he was on with us. I, I agree. I agree. And again, this is for athletes who have the potential to be drafted right out of high school or just a one-and-done scenario. You're right. The G League would would kind of fall a bit. And, and I do think that rule is going to change. I do think we're going to get back to high school uh, high school seniors, high school players being drafted uh, into the league. So uh, that, that will change the dynamic. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to watch. But uh, again, we saw last night the two of the top three picks. One came from playing in the French uh, Professional League in Victor Wembanyama, and the other in Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite. We had the twins from the Overtime Elite. So there has definitely been a proliferation of talent that's made its way up not having to buy into just the college system. Um, Dan, let's finish off the week. We're Friday. We got our golf tournament coming up on Monday. I'm getting ready to head out and meet you guys in South Bend. We'll have a lot of stuff around that going on uh, early in next week. The Golick Family Foundation raising money for some local charities in the South Bend area through the magic of golf and friendship, uh, all of which will be documented, <laughs> and I'm sure – blown all over your social media uh let's get to this that and the third though on our way there three quick stories to send everyone off into their day as always make sure you download subscribe rate review 
Leave us that five-star rating. Tell us more of what you want to see. And, Dad, I thought this was interesting in the wake of the Chris Paul trade to the Golden State Warriors yesterday. We're all focused on fit, what this is going to look like long-term, what Golden State's going to do next year because of all these bibs. And then, oh, by the way, a little bit of a news dump here as I saw the story that apparently it was not the Saudi sovereign wealth fund, but rather uh, Qatar's sovereign wealth fund buying roughly a 5% stake in the NBA's Washington Wizards franchise, the Washington Capitals, and the Washington Mystics as a part of a deal that uh, values the entire portfolio at around $4 billion, sources told the AP. And so, Dad, it's not to necessarily apples to apples compare this government versus the regime in Saudi Arabia that we've talked about, but more is to say, Proof of concept of what we mentioned as the Live Golf merger was going on, as we heard from Adam Silver, that the rules had been changed to allow sovereign wealth funds to invest in NBA teams up to 20%, and it did not take long for that to snap into action. No, it did not. You just wonder when it may happen when when we get someone out of the, you know, in this situation buying the majority stake, right? You know, and and going down that road, and listen. At the end of the day, even even you know, Rory talked about it when uh, about the merger, as he said. And you can't, you can't, you can't beat money, right? I mean, all these things come down to money, and money eventually wins. So when somebody's throwing out the most money, that's what's going to win. Again, here it's a five percent stake, so it's not it's not the majority, but still, man, it's it's big money. Uh, there is big money out there, and big money is going to get involved. And when you plus, it's a hell of an investment. I mean, look, look what pro you know sports are worth. Look what these franchises are worth, and look how look what Jordan bought his for, and what he sold Charlotte for. I mean, it's ridiculous. Quick math to you though, Mike: four billion dollars, and they own a five oh, percent stake. How much is that? I, I don't know. You know I can't do this. Just give me the number and stop trying to shame me on air, old man. It's, but it's very, Cut it's it very out. simple. It's very simple. To yeah, do it's simple. And I'm watching the clock trying to get us to the end of the show, trying to figure out the next topic we're going to talk about while you're it doing your take funny you, little math business over there. It should take you five seconds. What's 10% of $4 billion? It's $400 million. Again, I'm then not drop good at doing this on the fly. This is your kink. You to do 40 it for million. me. For 1%, 40 million times 5 is 200 million. 200 million. All right, onward we okay. go. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My you were the academic All-American. You were an academic All-American yeah. at Notre Dame. I took three classes that year. Only one of them met on campus. It was basically basket weaving. <laughs> if they had given ballroom dance that season, I would have taken ballroom. I mean, hell, I took guitar for that semester. I had guitar and a directed reading and environment class that met on Tuesdays and Thursdays that if it was raining, I wouldn't go to. Are you happy? That's the truth. It was a lifetime Notre, you achievement know who's not happy? You know who's not happy is Notre Dame hearing all that, okay? Jeez, oh uh, man. You, you know what? The NCAA already took my wins. If you want to come and take the <laughs> plaque, go ahead and do that too. If you want to just take it all from me, good on you. Be my guest. Um, God. Um, all right, let's get to that. Um, good news out of the world of college football. Well, I should say good news. Relative. Deion Sanders yes, is yes. not going to have to have his foot amputated 
this time, although he is set for a procedure today to relieve blood clots in both of his legs. Dion said in a video, and there had been a bunch of speculation about amputation there. Dion took to social media on Thursday to kind of quell that down. But, Dad, obviously we've talked a lot about Dion Sanders, the coach and the roster moves he's made at Colorado this offseason. Very happy to hear that he is going to be getting some relief. Yeah. When you hear blood clots, it's always a scary situation. Yeah, basically, and, and as you said, he went on video and talked about it. He has big toe issues and has an ankle issue. And those are going to need to be worked on as well. But the bottom line to all of it is they're going to need good blood flow to help heal. So obviously taking care of these blood clots is going to help that. He's going to help the blood flow go down into his feet for his big toes and for his ankle than to go on to the next procedures that are going to have to be done. So you're right. It's good news relative to what we'd heard that he may lose his foot. So I'm glad that's why he went on video and said the doctors just went through every kind of scenario with him and that being the ultimate, ultimate worst one, which you'd like a doctor to tell you all the different things that could happen. But he said that's way the worst thing that can happen. And this is why we're getting rid of the blood clots to help the next procedures on the toes and on the ankle. So hopefully that all works out well for him. And Dion's a guy who's in really good shape. Like normally we think of a lot of these complications coming, you know, college football is a profession where a lot of coaches really neglect their physical well-being in the name of pursuing the ultimate goal. Deion Sanders is a guy who still looks like he's in very good shape from being a former player. And this is still a reality. So good reminder for everybody. Take care of yourself. Make sure you're going and checking in with your doctor and getting yourself right here. We wish Dion well and a speedy recovery on all of this. Dad, Let's get to the third. We've talked a lot about the ocean this week. This is a threat that we have not yet discussed on this podcast. Uh, a crew on the Ocean Races team, J-A-J-O, endured several heart-stopping minutes on their approach to the Strait of Gibraltar on Thursday when their boat came under attack from a pod of orcas. There was video footage of this happening, and Dad, this just completely compounds on recent news of orca pods attacking yachts in the ocean in various bodies of water here. And yet another reminder that the ocean is not to be trifled with. Water and time have accomplished a lot on this earth, including creating these impressive killing forces that we need to just stay the hell away from. Orcas are trying to send us a message, Ed, and I'm ready to listen. Yeah, I am definitely ready to listen. Listen, we've also talked about the submersible that went down and they were trying to find, and, and we all know we got an ending to that. Not the ending we wanted, but... The ending a lot of us thought was going to happen, and you just hope it was quick and as painless as possible for the five in that submersible. So obviously that was just a horrible situation. But here, man, you're right. I, and and I said this before, I don't swim a lot in the ocean. I'm not a big fan of the ocean. There's a lot of things in the ocean that can hurt you. This was a, the ocean race is a six month, 32,000 nautical mile race competition. Could you imagine your boat being circled by orcas, killer whales, and then you see them beeline towards you and start ramming your boat. I mean, my God, to me, signal, cool. You know what? I'm going to go hang by the pool. I know there's no orcas in the pool and no sharks in the pool. Nothing like that in the pool. Give me a chaise lounge. Give me a pool and give me a beer. I'm good. Yeah, immediately after the orcas came by, we'd have needed to get the cleanup crew out there to clean all of the pee and excrement off the deck that I would yep. have just let loose after that yep. had happened. So don't mess with the orcas. Orcas, we're on your side here. We are pro-orca on this podcast. And if you are, download, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you Monday.
Boom. Money in the bank.